I want you to find again, if you would please, this morning, the Gospel of Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9, and we'll start reading at verse 35, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Sometimes we wonder, Lord, why am I here? Sometimes, sometimes the older we get, we can wonder, Lord, why am I still here? You know, there's an answer for those questions in these verses. Verse 35, and Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the multitude he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. To send out workers into his harvest. One of the amazing things about the way God does things is that he simplifies lots and lots of complexities into just a few very easy to read, but sometimes more challenging to live, steps or formulas or stages. We find one of them here. You, you are either a part of the harvest or you have turned into a laborer or a worker in the harvest. If you're here this morning in this room or wherever this live streaming is going, more than likely you, you are either a part of the harvest, the Lord's harvest, or you are desiring to be a laborer in the harvest, but the laborers in the harvest were at one time a part of the harvest themselves moving from harvest to laborers in the harvest. Well, what, what, is, what is that all about? It's just fascinating to, to read through the life of Jesus, and we will look again specifically this morning at Matthew chapter 9 at the types of people, the situations that they found themselves in, and then right in the middle of what they were going through, Jesus the Christ enters their lives. There are six different categories, six different types of people mentioned in Matthew chapter 9. All of which Jesus alludes to as he ends the chapter speaking of the harvest, 
he speaks of them as being a part of this harvest of souls. The, the first one, verse 1, Matthew 9, getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city, and behold, they were bringing to him a paralytic, a paralyzed man lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Take courage, my son, your sins are forgiven. Well, Jesus is challenged by the thought processes of some of the religious crowd around him. He, he knew what they were thinking by saying, Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. They didn't realize or they weren't ready to accept that standing right there in front of them in flesh and blood form with lips and eyes and arms and hands, the ability to communicate was literally and actually God standing before them. That's who Jesus Christ literally and actually was. He said to them, so that you will be able to understand that I have the ability to forgive sins, I'm going to say to the man paralyzed, rise up and walk, which is exactly what he did and which is exactly what the man rose up and began to do. Came in paralyzed, went out walking. Jesus, Jesus met him right where he was. The paralyzed man hopeless, the paralyzed man without anybody being able to fix the situation that he found himself in until Jesus interrupted his life. We look at the paralyzed man and we, we can see, well, there, there is someone who surely needed help. He needed somebody to mend his broken places and give him his life back. But look at the next one, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax office. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it happened that as he was, Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, in Matthew's house. Behold, many tax gatherers, many other tax gatherers and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax gatherers and the sinners? Now, to us, that may not seem like a real big deal, but over the, I'm sure, years now, whenever this name tax gatherer comes up in Scripture and sinners, that was the, the crowd, that, uh, that was the entourage that ran with them. We, we've spent some time on that, on this subject, on this name, on this part of the society in those days. And I've tried to encourage you, if you to really get at the heart of this, pick out in your estimation, as far as you are concerned, the most morally disgusting profession to you, the most morally disgusting lifestyle to you. 
take that name or those names, wad them up in a wad, and put in the place of tax gatherer your name. That's who Jesus has just called to follow him. He hadn't asked the man to repent. He hadn't asked the man to be baptized. He hadn't asked the man to write a check to his ministry. He hadn't asked the man to go back and pay off all the ones he had stolen money from. He just said, follow me. In a sense, to say, I'm not going to be ashamed of your company. I'm not going to be embarrassed that you are following me as one of my disciples. That was how it worked. Rabbis, which Jesus was, a young teacher with a with a, uh, a brand of truth or a slice of truth, and, and the rabbis would gather disciples around them to walk with them and learn of that particular truth. Jesus embodying ultimate truth and being the ultimate rabbi, coming out of heaven to explain the invisible God, he just does the unthinkable. No self-respecting rabbi concerned about his own reputation would have, would have even stopped in the tax gatherer's office without having to be there, forced to be there, let alone be kind to the tax gatherer, and beyond that, invite the tax gatherer to become one of his number. But that was what Jesus did, and that was his encounter with, with Matthew. I get so tickled about that. That it, and it's not, a, it, it, it's not laughing in any kind of a sense of mocking. It's just, this is unbelievable. This, this, is, this is unbelievable. In, in, the, in the day in which Jesus lived, because the tax gatherers were Jewish men, native-born Jewish men, recruited by the occupying Roman forces to collect from their countrymen Roman taxes. And they were also given the privilege or the right by the Romans to add on top of the amount that the Romans would require of the tax gatherers. The tax gatherers could add on top of that any amount they could get away with and tax their own people using the excuse, well, this is Roman taxes. We're forced to do it. They would have soldiers around them to impose their will. They were, as a result, hated as traitors. They were hated as thieves, they were hated as liars, they were ostracized from decent society, and so they had to hang together. They had to run together because nobody else wanted to have anything to do with them. Morally despicable, sorry to the bone, low life, and they got from the surrounding culture and communities where they lived they were reaping what they had sown. But somehow, some way, Jesus saw something in this tax gatherer, this sorriest of the sorry, meanest of the mean, sleaziest of the sleaze, something that nobody else saw. Something that not even Matthew saw about himself. Now, I want you to just pick up your Bible 
And I want you to find the end of the Old Testament. That's going to be Malachi. All right? If you're in Malachi, you're in the Old Testament. But then I want you to start turning pages, flipping pages, where it says Matthew, 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 Matthew. Then you come up to where it starts saying Mark. And you will have between your fingers the gospel of Matthew. It's the longest of the gospels in the New Testament. It's longer than Mark, Luke, and John. It's written by this Matthew. Matthew is writing a brief segment of his own autobiography. Again, I just kind of get overwhelmed every time I think about that. Everybody else saw him as a cheat, a sleaze, a no good, a sorry nothing. <laughs> Jesus saw him as the author of the first book in the New Testament. Thank you very much. So about the time we start writing folks off because of the way they look on the outside or because of what they've been and what they've done, we need to just understand what the harvest of the Lord contains. The Lord's harvest. The Lord's harvest. And we are told to pray, to beseech the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Those laborers being you and me, who have received Christ as Savior and Lord, who have been harvested ourselves, to be sent back into the Lord's harvest. Well, what's going to be the driver in us to enter the Lord's harvest, which is the harvest of sick people, poor people, broken people, ostracized people, hurting people. In this case, very rich, very powerful, very influential, but very hollow, Matthew. The only reason he would have responded to Jesus saying, follow me, is that there was something lacking in Matthew's life that nobody but Jesus saw and nobody but Jesus could feel. And so when he said, follow me, Jesus said, follow me, something from deep within him got up and just started going for Jesus. And everything else about his body followed that inner prompt. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. As we read down through these types, these categories, these instances, expressions of the Lord's harvest in the, in the lives of people that Jesus dealt with, what we've got to be praying is, Lord, I need, I need your heart for people. Because I don't have that kind of heart for people. The, the easiest folks in the world to be around are not the ones who are extremely physically needy or the ones who may have not a need in the world financially. But as the Lord's stirring up his compassion in us, his prompting in us, and he stirs us up to leave what may be comfortable and familiar and predictable and to begin to engage in those around us 
whom the Lord will show us to be a part of the harvest because of the brokenness, because of the needs, because of the impossibilities, because of the mountains that are covering them up. We're going to need the power of His Spirit, folks, to get us up out of our places of comfort and our, our familiar settings and, and be out in that harvest field that He speaks of as His harvest. His harvest. It, it helps for us to understand, as I mentioned earlier, it's help, it helps for us to see why we're still here. Why you still work where you work. Why your family last name hadn't been changed for you. Why we live in this city. Why we have the connections that we have. The Lord will say, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white unto harvest. White unto harvest in what way? We mentioned this last week. One of those principles, foundational principles. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You don't get the kingdom of heaven by any other way than through the corridor of being poor in spirit. Maybe poor physically, maybe not, but the point is, Jesus won't sound good to you. The way into the Father's house, the way to forgiveness, the way to know God's mercy personally and for you, the message of the cross won't sound good to you unless you're poor in spirit. Uh, can somebody say amen? That's just the truth. So, so when we, 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 we share our faith with ones who are not poor in spirit yet, we, we pray for folks who are not poor in spirit yet, but we just understand the time of their harvest to enter into the kingdom, to embrace all that God wants them to know and to experience and to be an expression of, that hasn't come yet. The Lord's not changing the rules for anybody. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Paul will say, the kingdom of God is not words, it is power. The kingdom of God is not words, but it is power. Meaning, to really receive the full measure of the living presence of the king in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, in your life, it means that there's going to be an expression of power. It's not just having the words it's not just being able to quote the scripture. It's not just being able to say yes to certain things and no to certain other things. It's about knowing inside your heart that a measure of power that you didn't have before has moved inside your chest. And you didn't get it because you were so great or so smart or born in the right family or born with the right color of, color of your skin, whatever that might be. It's that you were poor in spirit. And you cried out to the Lord, the love of your soul, and began, Lord, have mercy. God, I don't even know you're, that you're there. Many start there. I don't even know if you're real. But if you're real, I need you. I'm desperately needing something that I can't provide for myself. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, the paralytic. Poor in spirit, Matthew, the tax collector. 
poor in spirit, the synagogue official whose daughter was dying, poor in spirit, the woman with the issue of blood who came to Jesus, was following Jesus as Jesus was on his way to the synagogue official's house to, 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 to pray for the daughter. And the woman with the issue of blood is healed. And the daughter is healed. Two blind men show up and, and they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. He had mercy on them and the power of God. They got the kingdom. And then the last one mentioned is the man who couldn't speak because of a demon harassment in his life. Jesus cast the demon out. <laughs> Greater power than Satan had was demonstrated in setting that man free and he began to speak easily and clearly. Poor in spirit, poor in spirit, poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But, but I want to I hone in on old Matthew for a minute. That sorry, cheating, lying, conniving, traitorous, no good or nothing. Matthew, of, of the six categories of people that Matthew 9 says that Jesus encountered, summarizing what has come before in this way, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. What, I've, what you've just seen, what you've just watched me walk through, that's the harvest. Those are the ripened grains. Not that they're going to be, they are ripe. All they need is somebody to show up and speak to them of the mercy and the kindness and the love of God. Because that will sound good to them. It's not just another option. It's not just another little, little, little serving on the plate. It, it's, it's all they want to hear. It's, it, it's life to them when they hear it, that God still loves me. God's mercy is real, that this physical condition, this emotional condition I'm in isn't, doesn't have to define all of my life. I can be free, forgiven, know the love of God in my life. He says they're ripe, they're ready to hear that. He, five of the six were brought to Jesus or came on their own. The, the woman following along with Jesus, the two blind men following along with Jesus, they, they came to him. But oh my goodness, folks, the only one that it says he went after, that he took the steps toward, that he had on his top rung of the agenda for his day to find was that tax gatherer, Matthew. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. You read on down back to chapter 9 and then verse, verse 12. But when he heard this, the Pharisees saying, why, why are you hanging out with, why is your leader and why are you being around this tax gatherer? When he heard this, Jesus said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. 
that can be translated, I desire compassion more than sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now here, here Jesus, early 30s, speaking with authority, quoting scripture, challenging the understanding of these religious leaders, well steeped in the scripture, challenging them on their understanding of a foundational principle of the Old Testament. He quotes, I desire compassion more than sacrifice. He says, you go and learn. You got your rules down. You got your better knots down. You got your payments down if you violate the rules. You've got your law all written down. You understand how to put people in their place. You know about judging. You know even about condemning. You know about passing sentence. But here's something you hadn't even begun to learn. The compassion of God. Now the man that was in question here, no doubt about it, was guilty of all kinds of bad stuff, wrong stuff, for a long period of time. But that isn't where Jesus jumped into his life. And that isn't where Jesus took his position. He wasn't siding with the Pharisees, judging him, Jesus, for engaging in a relationship, seeking to establish a relationship with a known professional reprobate. He turns to the ones who were accusing him and accusing Matthew, and says, let me tell you something about God that you need to learn. It's his compassion. It, it's that famous, or mercy, it's that famous, wonderful, just rebuild your life from the inside outward when it drops 18 inches. Elios translated the mercy of God. It means the pitying love of God. It, it, it has to do when the mercy of God is, is brought forth. When, when Bartimaeus would cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He, he was a verb, mercy me. It means I'm asking for all of the power of God to be gathered up and poured out on my condition. Mercy, power being dispensed that I don't deserve. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And God, you know I don't deserve it, but I'm asking you for something that I don't deserve. That's mercy. I'm asking for your kindness. I'm asking for your power to open these blinded eyes. Jesus, son of David, mercy me. Power of God expressed to alleviate the misery of consequences of sin. That's the mercy of God, the pitying love of God. Oh, my goodness, folks. The, the level of thirst, the degree of hunger, the measure of ache in the hearts of people to hear those words, that God loves you. The Lord has mercy 
on your life. It's the ones who have the hunger to hear, the longing for that to be true about them. Those are the ones that Jesus says are a part of his harvest, the Lord's harvest. So immediately, we need to start thinking, who do I know who is like that? Who do I know who needs the mercy of God? And they know they need the mercy of God. That's their only hope. Folks, the reason you know them, the reason they know you, is because the Lord has assigned you as a laborer in his harvest. To go to them. To sit with them. To speak to them. To express to them the love of God. As, as so much a part of the, the core of the gospel, good news, gospel, that's the meaning of the word gospel, good news in the face of bad news. It's not just good news, it's good news in the face of bad news. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins in our place so that when I receive him, I'm receiving his mercy. So we have opportunity, and that's the point. We have opportunity to speak into the lives of the ones who are hungry because of their need, who are thirsty because of their lack, who are open because nothing else has been able to answer the concerns or the questions of their lives, and we're able to speak to them the love of God that God hasn't forgotten you. God loves you, and let me tell you how much he loves you. Before you were ever born, before you were ever known by your mother, before you were ever known of any reason to look to God and to love God, he was loving you. He knew you. He was calling you. He died on the cross for you. If you'll just open your heart up to what Jesus has done for you, receive him into your life, then your whole life can begin all over again. That everything God's intended for you to be, you can now have the energy to become. He's for you. He's not against you. He loves you. You're not an enemy. Folks, instead of us thinking that only Billy Graham and only Sammy Tippett and only, you know, Rick Garza and only the evangelists are the ones who have the ability to communicate that kind of message effectively, to believe, and as if that's to just get us out of the equation, it's such a mistake. Sammy can't be everywhere you are. You know that? Jay Louder can't show up at work every time you sense something like this going on. So what am I to do? Here's what you do. Start your day praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I won't see what I need to see unless you open my eyes and then open my mouth and extend your love through my hands. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Then, Lord, send me. Send me. Send me. Jesus said he didn't do anything except what he saw his father doing. Jesus was sent. He didn't just stumble by Matthew's tax office, he was sent there. That's why he went. 
He went knowing that's where he was supposed to be and knowing that God was with him, knowing that effect would happen. That's you, that's me. Lord, fill me. Lord, send me. And then, oh, this one. Lord, show me. Show me the harvest. Show me the harvest. He'll give you the ability, I'm telling you. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Now, this, this is the truth. You pray that way, you walk into your week work, work week, and you start looking into the faces of people. You'll catch just something in the corner of one eye. You'll catch just one kind of little inflection of some word that just comes out here. You, you'll, you'll catch the countenance, the droop countenance, or the staring off into never-never land thing. And the Spirit of God will go off in your heart there. Harvest. Harvest. Now, it may not be that you're able to go through everything, all the points of the plan of salvation, and to have them down on their knees praying and bring them back here for Brother Larry to baptize them on Tuesday night. That, that may not happen then. But the Lord has identified for you one of the harvest. And you and you only, in a sense, it may be, know who they are. But God knows who they are. God's opened your eyes and he's given you some kind of relationship with them and he will bless the connection. And get this, if he's opening your eyes, if he's stirring in your heart, you can count on it. He's doing something in their heart to prepare you for what you'll be doing in their life. You, you, you talk about, you talk about all churches to me is just going to church and sitting there and listening to that. Listen to the music. The music is good. And then the preacher gets up and he hollers and he sweats and he spits. And then we say amen and then we go home and we start the process all over again to next Sunday. Folks, listen. This dropping 18 inches, realizing God has you knowing people by his design because he is ordering your steps and desiring for you to be an extension of his hands in the harvest. Using your mouth in the harvest. You may not know them, may not be able to call their last name or even their first name, but there's something inside your spirit that causes you to know there's something I can say. Maybe you just sit there at your table and you just, and you just pray for them with your eyes open. But it may be that the Lord, before you leave the place, may have you stopping by and just saying, I just want you to know the Lord loves you. Have you ever had anybody walk up to you in a restaurant or, or somewhere else just out of the clear blue walk up to you and just say, I just need to tell you, God loves you. And when you know, you know that you didn't arrange that, that some way or another, the Lord put it in their hearts to do what they did. And you're saved, you're going to heaven, you know your Bible, you, you got a church home, but something about that spontaneous, out of the blue, speaking to your heart, it just electrifies the rest of your day. Am I in here by myself? So, so instead of us thinking, I've gotta have a sermon, and I need to be able to get Brother Sammy's gestures down, and I need to, I, I need to get Jay Lauer's invitation down, and all of that, and I gotta get me an athletic story so I can be like Rich. You know, forget all that. You are who you are. God picked you and he didn't pick anybody else to know the ones you know. And when he opens your eyes and he puts, <laughs> my family, my family, my family, my family. I sit in restaurants and I and surely can tell you this. I sit there and what I notice are kids. I notice little children. 
And then I'm not thinking of just about the little children, but I'm thinking about the parents and the grandparents and the uncles and aunts that are around them. And I, I'll have my kids with all times say, Dad, you're going to get in trouble for staring at these kids. You can't just be staring at these kids. Well, I can't help it. And I'm not planning on hurting those kids or stealing those kids. I'm just praying, Lord, look at them. Look at them, Lord. They're innocent. They, they, they don't, they, nothing's happened bad to them yet. Bless them, Lord, bless them. Grow them up to love you quick and soon. And that granddaddy's sitting there, and that daddy there, and that, that, that mama and that grandmama, Lord, would you just fall all over? I'm, you know, and I got a fork in the hand, and I'm, I'm exaggerating that a little bit, but not a whole lot. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, but it's also a sort of a dangerous thing. When you say, Lord, Make me a part of your harvest. Let me be a part of what you want to do to reach men and women, understanding that it's the poor in spirit who are going to get the kingdom. So, so you don't have to be able to communicate with a rocket scientist on a physics level because that's not where he or she is struggling. It's something else in the heart. And you know about the heart. You know about the power of Jesus to heal a broken heart. So you don't have to communicate with, with a mechanic just about spark plugs and wrenches and timing chains. And you don't have to just, it, it's not the, that's not the category. It's the category of the heart. You know what he's done for you. You know what he's doing for you. And just out of the blue for you to show up and with, with, with joy and confidence and life on your face to be able to speak into somebody poor in spirit, to be able to say, the Lord loves you and I'm praying for you. And the Lord's name is Jesus. And where's you? It just, just go on as far as you can go. You'll know when to stop. You'll know when to quit. But go as long as you can go. And then I, tell, I, just, I would say this, you pray for them. Pray for them, pray with them. If they're sick, if there's, if there's a paralyzed condition, if there's, a, if there's a mute condition, if there's a fear of death, medical illness condition, the love of God being dispatched through you to that one into that situation, you know what they're going through and to be able to take them by the hand or bow your head and even pray with your eyes wide open as we're getting ready to leave. Lord, I'm asking you. Open the heavens, Lord. Pour out on this child. Pour out on this child what is in your heart to bless that baby with. What is in your heart, Lord, to do to set the captive free? What is in your heart to do to make provision financially? Whatever it would be, you say, well, they don't know the Lord. They don't know the Lord. They don't know the Lord. How can I pray that way? Okay, name one of these in Matthew 9 that already knew Jesus. That had already repented. That had already been baptized. Not a one of them. Not a one of them. So why did Jesus heal them? Because he loved them. It wasn't, I love you if. I love you if you'll do this. I love you if you'll do that. It's just, I love you, period. You. End of paragraph, close the book. For God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son because he loved. He didn't give his son and then try to decide whether he would love or hate the world. He loved the world. The unrepentant, godless, because when Jesus came, nobody knew him. He came to his own, and those who were his own received him not. The Lord didn't love the world because there was anything lovely about the world. There wasn't anything lovely about you or me, but still he loved us. And I tell you, when that love of God being shed abroad in our hearts, as Paul speaks of in Romans 5, 5, begins to do its work, you can't keep it in. You, 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 can't, you can't seal up all the possible escape hatches. You're just going to find yourself walking through life, and what oozes out of you is just the love of God. We, we, we love, John would say, because he first loved us. Sometimes we hear that other voice saying, oh, they're going to think you're a fool. They're going to they're call you crazy or it won't do any good. Well, just try it. Silence the devil's lies by just hauling off and obeying what the Lord puts in your heart to do. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Devil, you tried that on me last week. You tried to tell me not to say anything when I was being moved by the Lord to say something, do something, just show kindness. And I went ahead and did it. And you know what happened, devil? You know what happened? They got blessed. They said, thank you. They asked me to keep praying. The devil is a liar, and he knows how to lie to you in just exactly the way to think you, cause you to think it's the truth. The devil can tell a lie like it's the truth. So then we come back to the tug of the enemy and the voice of the Spirit. Lord, fill me. Lord, send me. Lord, show me the harvest. And then, Lord, open my lips to pray, open my eyes to express, to see, and then my heart to express the kindness. Help me to say everything I need to say about Jesus when the time comes. But do you understand that everybody Jesus loved and cared for and, and, and gave a miracle to, he didn't go through the full scope of the incarnation, of the depth of the doctrine of redemption, of the, of the miracle of the resurrection and the future coming kingdom. He just loved them. He just blessed them, believing, knowing that as their hearts get changed by the love of God, they're going to want to grow. They're going to want to know those things. But sometimes we just we make it too hard for folks to get saved. Hello. <laughs> you know, you got to know this and you got to do that and you got to be here and you got to check it with the scripture. Whosoever will call upon the Lord shall be saved. So what is that? Call. Call upon the Lord. Well, I'm not sure he's there. Call it away and see if it works. You laugh and you laugh. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know how many, I don't know how many strong 
filled with the Spirit believers there are today, and it began at that point. God, I don't even know if you're real. But if you're real, save me. If you're real, give me a break. Something just as common as whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed. And we are encouraged to step into that participation with him in loving folks. I got to tell you a story, then then we're done. Last Sunday after this service, one of our ladies came up to me who is also a grandmother. She is a mom, and she is a grandmother, and she is an Uber driver. Do I get a witness on that? Think about it. She said, Brother David, I need to just, I want to just thank you for what you said this morning. I said, well, what, what was that? What did I say? She said, well, for just helping me to understand that it's, it's okay to love people that God brings into my life that may not be where they need to be with God. Now, she, she is a strong woman of faith. She has a tremendous grasp of the Scriptures. She knows what it is to be led by the Spirit. If I called her name, 99% of you would know who this would be. Next thing she said was, Pastor, do you know where North St. Mary Street is? I said, yes, ma'am. I know where North St. Mary Street is. She said, I got a call to pick a couple up during the weekend, may have been even the night before, last Saturday night. Took me a while to find them, but I got to them, I found them, and they got in. And she said, you know, they they just started opening up. They just started talking. She said they were tatted all up. They were, they were, they were dolled up for a, for a wild and crazy night on North St. Mary Street, clubbing their way down the street. But they got in my car, and it just started opening up. The girls started talking about things, and then the, then the young man got to talking. Found out that his, his daddy his daddy's a preacher. He knew better than the way he was living at that point, but that was where he was. He, he, he quoted scripture. North St. Mary's, somewhere parking lot, in the back seat of an Uber car. Unloading, he starts quoting scripture talking about what he knew and what he knew he shouldn't do and all of that kind of stuff to which our sister, your sister, sitting here in this room, I think, this morning. I hadn't looked too hard because I don't want to make notes. She's here. I'm telling it anyway. She put her arm around on the seat, looked back at that young man, and just from the top of her head to the soles of her feet just began to pour out on him the encouragement of the Lord. The Lord's not through with you. God knows where you are. 
God has a plan for your life. You turn back to him. Uber, hour and a half into it on St. Mary's Street, middle of night or whenever it was. Yes, ma'am. I'm sure she prayed for him. I don't know that they're going to ever see each other again until glory. But that's what I'm talking about. It's the mercy of God. We, we, we get folks so already figured out by, by the outside and, and by what the past has been for them that, that we can just write stuff off and, 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 and excuse ourselves from being an expression of the mercy of God to people's lives. And he's saying, I need laborers. I need laborers in my harvest. It's my harvest. It's not yours. I get them ready. I bring them to me. I just need you to go and love them. Can you do that? Will you do that? Won't you please do that? Now here's... I, 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 I want to wrap this up in a real positive way, but I, but I just kind of have a feeling human nature is such that, well, you know, yeah, when I heard the pastor say that, I, that, I really I felt something. You know, that's probably, he's probably talking to me. And, and then so we close our marked up Bibles up and we close up our little notes and we put them up and then we just kind of forget about anything we've heard until next week. The second, the second, the second we leave this building, we step into the harvest field. Lord, will you show me your harvest? Help me to catch that look out of the corner of the eye. Help me to catch that downcast on the side of their face. Help me to... Help me to see the body posture. Help me just to know. Lord, just give me a sense that that, 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 that Matthew in my life, Matthew that I know, you're sending me to him to tell him God loves him. Sending me to her. Who is your Matthew? Who is your Matthew? Who are the broken, hurting, sad, impossible cased, people in your life that you know. You say, well, I don't know them all that well. Jesus didn't know these all that well, but some way or another they were drawn to him, and it's just opening your heart up to express the kindness of God in there. I can tell some guys, saying, that's just not me. That's just not me. I'm a guy. I let the women do that. Well, then just go ahead, dude, and just miss out on what God wants to use you to do. It, that, let me get off on the man a little bit. That may be the only eternal thing you do in your life for the next 30 years. What you do this week to encourage somebody, when you humble yourself and the kindness of God takes over in the light of what he's done for you, he's done for me. And from that place of broken place, of needy place, I speak to other needy people. We should never forget what he brought us from, what he had to fill up, what he had to heal, what he had to repair, what he had to restore in order for us to have our wits about us and our goal as it should be today. Lord, show me. Lord, fill me. Lord, send me. Lord, use me. 
bring back to my mind the things you want me to say in conversations. I'm trusting you to give me what I need to anoint me for that moment. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, I hadn't intended to fuss at anybody, make anybody mad. I really mean that. But if the shoe fits, slap it on, will you? Just, just slap it on. Because then, there's, then, then we can go forward. Then we can realize this is why I'm here. It's not just an eight to five. It's not just a paycheck. It's not just making it to retirement. The fields are white under harvest. And the Lord shows no favorites. He discriminates against no one. He has not a prejudicial bone in his being. And neither should we. Amen. 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 Let's stand together, please. Let's stand together. And you know, if you, if you have some gospel conversations this week, if you have some opportunities to pray with some folks that you hadn't planned on, but it just seemed like that's how you were led and how God seemed to use you, would you... Would you let us know? Put it on a, on a prayer uh, gram. We've got those little prayer cards that you can fill that, put the drop it in so we can know about it. Or, just, or email us here at the church so we can join with you in prayer. Some of you are going to be able to pray through with folks right on the spot to receive Jesus. But others, it may be continuing to sow the seed and be an encouragement. And you'll love it. You will love it. You can get addicted to expressing the love of God. It's a holy addiction. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for, for looking past so much in order to see us and love us for who you could make us into, turn us into. Thank you that in the blood of Jesus, we're completely forgiven. Nothing, nothing hidden, all exposed, but everything cleansed, everything clear. Thank you, Lord. Please please enable us to go forth in the harvest fields with that message. Bring the hurting to us. Bring the poor in spirit to us. Take us to the poor in spirit that they may see your kingdom, receive your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.